All right, so my name is Andrea Montgomery, and today I am recording a podcast on depression and how lack of mental toughness is the leading cause of young depression in millennials. Um, Now, I just wanted to kind of bring this up before I even start the podcast is that the information I'm giving you is partly my own philosophy, but also philosophy that has been lived by others that kind of embodies what I'm going to express to you today. Um, Some of the information I'm not saying that I'm superior to anyone because that's definitely not where I want people to perceive this message and that I'm mentally tough or I'm this or I'm that. It's definitely just talking about the deeper cause of depression and where I think it stems from. Now, have you ever really wondered what causes depression or what even depression is? And I asked a few people this question, and they didn't really have an answer. I thought that was pretty interesting because a lot of the word depression gets thrown around frequently. And I really want to target millennials um, during this podcast. And I'm going to break up three episodes for you. The first episode, I really want to define what depression is, what are some of the main causes, how it's being expressed in our society today. Um, The second part is I want to talk about mental toughness, how that relates to depression and different cultures that use mental toughness to help people navigate through their own mind to avoid depression. And then in episode three, I'd really like to give my proposal on how this can be integrated into younger education to help people with mental toughness so that they can cope with society and how we're evolving. So thank you so much for listening um, to my thoughts. And I am going to add a lot of ad lib in here. Um, There's a lot of extensive research that I've pulled from different sources that I will link below. And I'm going to quote them throughout this passage that I um, go through. So I really hope you enjoy this message and, you know, um, maybe have a cool perception that you can share with me. All right. So what I found out going into this podcast is I I kind of went in from my own background, and my own background is more from a, a spiritual standpoint. Um, I am not religious. I am more, I guess, I practice meditation. I practice different ways of purification, um, different practices that help kind of make you feel more embodied as a person to help myself be present in life and to be present throughout my day. And this is why I'm going to kind of bring in the deeper parts of maybe the cause of these type of mental illnesses. And see, depression is like such an extremely complex disease. It's a mental disease. But no one really knows exactly what causes it. And it can occur for like a variety of different reasons. 
you know, many different people experience depression during serious medical um, issues, life changes, deaths, conflicts, um, major events, personal problems, um, the news, social media, and even genetics. Now, and even, and all of this can lead to substance abuse and then suicide. Um, and researchers have noticed that there's actually certain things that contribute to depression. And they have noted that in clinical depression, compared to people who don't have depression, that the hippocampus is actually smaller. And the hippocampus is related to, you know, your memory. And they found that, you know, it appears smaller in some people with a history of depression than those who've never even been depressed. And that a smaller hippocampus has fewer serotonin receptors. And serotonin is one of the main brain chemicals known for neurotransmitters that allow communication you know, through the brain that helps us process emotions and helps us experience happiness. Now, you know, some of that is out of our control. We can't control the size of our hippocampus. And, you know, how is it fair that some people have to experience depression, right? Well, they also found that the stress hormone cortisol is produced in excess in depressed people. And these investigators believe that the cortisol has a toxic or shrinking effect on the development of the hippocampus, which I thought was very interesting. And this kind of brought an awareness to me as the mother, when she's having the baby or going through her trimester, if she experienced a stressful state of mind, if that energy was transferred to the child as they were developing, that child is an extension of you and your energy and your genetics. So if you didn't have a peaceful or calm or, you know, you didn't experience your pregnancy with equanimity, then maybe that type of turbulence affected the baby or the child and the way their brain developed. And I think that's a very plausible um, chance that could happen. And I'm not going to cover this the statistics in this episode with that, but I feel like that's a very interesting um, thought to explore more in depth. But um, one thing is certain is that depression is complex. You know, you know, as you can see, there's many different factors. And that the latest studies and scans of the brain structure and function suggest that, you know, antidepressants can exert when are called neurotrophic effects, meaning they can help sustain nerve cells. I didn't really know what that meant until I talked to Mr. Call, who's the psychology professor at MCC, and he has a PhD in psychology, and he was telling me how the mood levels in the brain, they reach a a very low level and your brain is almost like a safety, a safety mechanism so that when you experience trauma or an over amount of stress, it shuts off and all the chemicals in the brain become imbalanced. And the only way to really help someone through that process is to actually alter 
or modify the chemical imbalances so that you can have an, have normal brain activity. Otherwise, you'll have partial remission. Um, you may never recover from it. So they put people on antidepressants so that they can talk them through therapy so that that therapy can help the person heal. Now, this is all very clinical, and I am really happy that I researched some of this information because I would have never known that um, coming from my background. So it definitely opened up my mind, you know, learning about that. Now, there's many different triggers also that can cause depression, and, you know, Think, there's a everyone has a past, everyone has a story, and everyone experiences things in life that are unpleasant. It's part of the journey. There's also a lot of things that happen subconsciously, and I learned this in life coaching. I took a life coaching course that helped me learn a little bit about myself and what lies in my deep conscience. And there's things that happen that we hold on to that we don't realize we're holding on to. Until something happens on later in life and it triggers that subconscious thought, or even if it's conscious, it triggers the thought and then manifests and comes out in our behavior in a different way. And I wanted to bring that up because a lot of people don't realize that happens, and I don't even realize when that happens when it happens. And so when you can you know, take a moment to look at those thought patterns. It's a nice way to do like an analysis so that you can almost rewire or retrain the brain. But we'll cover that a little bit later on. Um, there's things that can cause it, such as genetics, drugs, chronic illness, and grief, which are like the most common things that our planet experiences on a daily basis. Now, how is gene genetics linked to the risk of depression? Well, 20%, like if your family has experienced depression, you're 20% more vulnerable to falling into that category. Now, um, multiple different types of genes interacting with one another is a special way um, probably contribute to the various types of depression that run in our families. But Despite the evidence of, like, your family history, depression is, like, unlikely that there's single depression gene, but rather many genes that contribute to small effects toward depression and how they interact with the environment. And so there's also drugs that can cause depression and substance abuse or even just alcohol. If you were to drink alcohol, that can be an automatic trigger. It can mess with the chemical imbalances in your brain. Um, lots of different drugs. They found that Accutane, um, beta blockers, blood pressure medications, all these different medications, um, birth control, they're all linked to depression. And this is all according to WebMD's um, cause of depression, which I will link in below. It's called Medicines That Cause Depression. And so you'll have the list directly when you click, click on that. Um, chronic illnesses are also linked to depression. Now, what is a chronic illness? It's an illness that lasts for a very long time and usually can't be cured completely. Um, 
such as diabetes, heart disease, arthritis, kidney disease, HIV, lupus, um, multiple sclerosis, hypothyroidism, hormone levels, hormone medication, all of those can lead to depressed feelings. Even ADD medication. Um, I had a student recently who is on new um, medication for ADD and she became super depressed that day and I gave her her space, but I realized that all of these mind-altering drugs do affect our mental state, even marijuana, you know, all of that, or even personal events that happen in your life. Maybe you're having a bad day and something happens and it triggers something in your brain and all of a sudden you fall into this like deep mindset and you can't get out. Um, Depression is also linked to chronic pain. Now, being chronic pain, it means that like it lingers for weeks or months. And as we mature, as we get older, our bodies aren't as sustainable or resilient. So we do experience more pain and that affects like your your sleep, your ability to exercise, uh, your ability to be active on a daily lifestyle, your relationships, your productivity at work. Um, all this can leave you feeling sad or isolated and depressed. What if you don't have a family to take care of you and you become sick? Or what if your family's gone and you don't have anyone to take care of you? What if you're stuck at a nursing home and you feel lonely and you're just sitting there at the nursing home? You know, these are all contributing factors, which are very common factors for the average person. Also, grief. Every single person on this planet will experience grief somehow. Um, it's unavoidable, and it's it's a normal response to lose and to feel sad. Now, losses may lead to grief, including death or separation of a loved one, loss of a job, death of a pet, um, a number of changes of life, divorce, becoming an empty nester, not, I mean, a breakup. All of this is normal. Now, everyone will experience this type of depression differently, though. That's the thing. It's like depression involves a range of other symptoms, such as feelings of low self-worth, negative thoughts about your future, suicide, whereas grief involves feelings of emptiness, loss, longing for a loved one with an intact capacity to feel pleasure. Each person is unique in how he or she copes with these feelings. This, to me, is associated with what is called mental toughness. What is mental toughness? It's a measure of resilience and confidence that may predict success in life, such as sports, education, and a workplace, and normal activities. Now, this can all link to depression. And how can it? Easy. It's emotional intelligence. I don't like saying the word emotional intelligence because emotional intelligence is just, it makes people sound like they don't have mental toughness or if they experience depression, they're unemotionally intelligent. And that's in fact not what I'm trying to say. In fact, feeling depression or sad or loneliness is a positive thing that's empathetic. That means you have the ability or the capacity to experience emotion but it's how you let it affect you and your lifestyle that I want to touch on. See, when emotion grips you, it's like the understanding of its 
thematic contours can help us name it to tame it. Like, even though the anger is expressed differently by different people, the underlying anger is the same, and it's injustice or fairness caused by anger. Now, this was quoted by Stern, the person off WebMD.com, and she talks about the causes of depression and the emotional stability. See, she says that the theme of the underlying disappointment is an unmet expectation caused by disappointment. And that's true. All of these things that we experience in life is because our own needs aren't met. And this frustration is a feeling of blocked of a way to our goal. And our unresolved, unacknowledged feelings can lead us into, like, anxiety, arguments, and worse. And some educators believe that it's time to give our kids emotional instruction along with their ABCs. What that means is that in 2019, millennials are becoming a victim of society. They have a lack of self-analysis, and that this leads to emotional dishonesty. Now. I want to just say that social media and the news have really affected our culture in the way that our environment is and how businesses work, how schools work. It affects everything. And um, a lot of gays have come out, a lot of transgenders, people. We live in a society where it's competitive and people compare themselves to other people who are either doing well or doing worse. And it creates a personality disorder. And these personality disorders cause people to not know who they really are. And to lack self-analysis and to not analyze who they are as a person, but to compare themselves or become overly self-absorbed in technology. Now, whoever taught you how to manage your emotions. Like, if you really sit down to think about it and you were to have this conversation at a table with a bunch of friends, like, how would you recognize them when they arouse or navigate? Like, how would you navigate through them? The thing is, is like, for many people, the answer is no one. No one taught them how to do that. I was never taught how to do that by my mom. My mom worked a lot. I was out running the streets, partying, having fun, but I was emotionally unstable. I didn't know how to cope or how to navigate through my own thought process and to analyze that information and move forward to make better decisions. That all stems from parenting, and those parents that people have are taught that by their parents, and those parents, you know, so on, so on. And unless that foundation of intellectual, like, exercises is embedded into the child at a young age, we grow up really having to figure it out for ourselves. And this is what I call the brain having a disturbance of its mental presence. And a disturbance of mental presence is what causes depression. And it's people not understanding how to deal with disturbed mental presence. Or, uh, you, mental presence is a state of mind, and if it gets disrupted, how can we recover from that? How can we get back to that state of stillness?
And like, although navigating our inner landscape isn't something that we were taught even in school, it should be. And it contended by a number of researchers. They believe that emotional skills should rank as high as the important children. Education is math, reading, history, and science. And we will cover this more later on in this episode, but I really wanted to open your mind up to that idea. Now, pinning down the theme can help a person be seen and understood and met where she is. And I really want to talk about how, you know, depression caused by today, by the internet, um, it's almost like a trend. And what happens is a lot of people misuse the word and throw it around, and or maybe they even do become depressed. And is it a trend, or is it a side effect? Is depression a side effect, a trend, or is it actual clinical disease? And According to the World Health Organization, over 300 million people around the world are suffering from depression. Wow, that is such a huge number. I would have never guessed that. But looking more into it, depression's been around for centuries. In fact, back in like the 1600s or even BC, like people thought depression was caused by demons or witches or spirits haunting you and they measured bile and blood and they would punish you or lock you up in chambers or psychosalums or they would bathe you and treat you with herbs and healing modalities and they did exorcisms on you to get you to feel better to be happy because they didn't know what was possessing your joy in life And that's so crazy to me that depression's been around for so long, but we don't really know what causes it or what it even is. And I think it's a state of mind. I mean, I just keep getting back to that. And so the thing is, is it's not a trend. It's like a serious mental illness. And I understand that. And suicide is one of the second leading causes of death among young people. And that's very serious. Like, With the increase in social media, pressure created by society, like, it's no wonder why there's young people who are experiencing negative thoughts. And it's also the news is a big contributor, Um, you know, high stress, lots of homework, lots of, like, finals. I mean, I feel it in my body. I'm doing finals, and I feel the stress in my body. I feel it in my neck. Like, my body aches. I can't sleep at night sleep deprivation, diet, like drinking, all of that um, to help relieve stress. And because we're like more privileged with reality and secured survival, which gives us time to think and ponder and reflect on our values and meaning of life, um, it just makes it more prevalent in 2019. Now, I think There is more people who are talking about it now than ever in the past, which is also a positive thing, which is why a lot of people talk about it today, like social media is causing depression or, you know, depression is being caused in kids at a young age because of testing. And it's it's important that people are realizing the importance of mental health and care, and it's to be taken seriously and taken ahead by many celebrities by promoting the mental health awareness. 
getting more attention, more importance. It's not a trend, but it's good for people to see other people's stories so that they can reach out and relate. See, social, um, this shows that we have a serious problem if there's this many people who are experiencing depression. And the question is, will everyone experience depression? Yes or no? And I think yes. Yes and no. Um, whether it's a side effect or a mental disease, it's essentially a guarantee in life. And we all experience low points, loss, heartbreak, and sorrow. It's a normal part of our experience depression and how we cope with problems to learn and solve them, but not everyone will suffer from clinical depression. Like, clinical depression is being depressed more these days for not a constant period, but six months more with additional symptoms of higher severity and regular bout of depression. Like, to have clinical depression, it, it like, manifests in your body and creates actual physical disease, diarrhea, vomiting, lack of sleep, wanting, lack of wanting to get out of bed, no sunlight, living in the dark, no eating, excessive weight loss, excessive weight gain. Um, and so those things are really important. But it's also, you know, it's different in different people, and it's also defined differently. But the difference in life, it lies in on how you handle it. I feel like that's where the gap is and that's where things aren't different. See, our desires and expectations have increased so much and so many times that it's beyond our scope. And this has become the source of depression nowadays. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's turned the focus on other things. Like, what does this all mean? Like, most people have to struggle every day for survival, and we naturally tend to take closer look at ourselves. Like, I recently saw a stat saying 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and the stress comes from what the drive anyone to depression. Like, that's horrible. And especially when you throw away taking throw in taking care of family on top of that or being a single parent. I can't imagine single moms working so hard, trying to get through life. Then their kid ends up in jail. Like how hard that must be on the parent, not being able to be present or traveling all the time, not being able to see their child and then having their child be okay with them being away. Like it's hard and it's hard to make it. We all basically have emotional needs that need to be met for us to thrive and enjoy life. And without exception, we find depressed people are not getting these needs met. Long story short, is physical health is on the de decline while basic emotional needs aren't being met. Because people don't know what being depressed means. Most people associate being sad, busy, or stressed with depression. It's a gloom-free approach against mood disorders. On the other hand, we aren't happy with our lives, relationships, jobs, our friends, maybe the way we look, but we live in a comparative society. In the U.S., Canada, Australia, Denmark, etc., people are popping antidepressants like Tic Tacs. In countries like Japan and South Korea, young people are killing themselves because of obstacles in their careers and academic lives. 
We are living in ways that our bodies and minds find acceptable and we're just too hard on ourselves and don't enjoy ourselves at all. People work so hard but never take a moment to really enjoy what they work so hard for. And I truly believe in that Um, and just personally, externally, being observant, seeing how like society works. I really do believe that. And see, untreated depression is the most common cause of suicide. Like, the proper diagnosis for treatment of depression is very important in preventing suicides. According to the Substance Abuse of Mental Health Services Association, 90% of those who commit suicide are suffering from some sort of mental illness. And these people have depression, which is either undiagnosed, untreated, or, un, you know, underrated like a lot of people aren't even coming out with it and they let it get the best of them globally more than 800,000 people die by suicide every year according to who report or one person dies of suicide every 40 seconds another key to reducing deaths by suicide is a commitment by national governments to the establishment of the implementation and coordination plan of action The WHO report found that currently 28 countries are known to have national suicide prevention strategies, which I will go into more um, into my proposal when I talk about how we can integrate some of these strategies into our schools to help these stats lower themselves. But let's just touch on a little bit on suicide. Now, if depression is driving someone so deep in suicide, What is that person thinking about when they kill themselves? See, when people become suicidal, they turn so inward and they turn inward so much that they end up only thinking about themselves. Like, oh, it would be better without me. My friends don't like me. They'll they'll have a better life without me here on this planet. And they become so selfish that they kill themselves.